This is the Team Clear Coat Podcast. We're two friends finally doing something about our obsession with cars. We're probably not doing it well, but it should be fun, and we might actually learn something along the way. I'm Dave. And I'm Ian. And this is our show. Ian? Yes, Dave. How's it going, buddy? It is going great. It's great to be back in the blanket fort. We have a guest today, Ian. We do have a guest. Uh, it's Alex Davies from Wired. Hello. Hey, guys. So Alex is the transportation editor with Wired, right? That's correct. Yeah, I uh, run our transportation section, which is a lot of car stuff, but really anything that gets you from one place to another, uh, we're interested. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, so you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show, but Ian and I are IT guys. Uh, automotive and technology uh, uh, cultures often intersect, and mm-hmm. so we certainly sought out a lot of your writing um, and, and definitely wanted to have you on the show to talk about uh, things. Great. I'm glad to be here. Uh, so real quick, we'll just, uh, we're just going to kind of play a quick game of FMK cars to kind of see like where you land on the, on the automotive spectrum, like what okay. car cultures and stuff you like. Um, Launching right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go for it. Uh, so it, I was doing some research on you uh, before, we start, before we started the show, literally hours ago. You know, very, very prepared. Uh, but I found three Alex Davies on Wikipedia, and unfortunately, you weren't one of them. Uh, no, I think there's like a snooker player. You're exactly right. Um, because I like have definitely Googled my name many times. <laughs> right. Normal human being. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, I haven't quite cracked into those ranks yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a, a snooker player, somebody that plays cricket, and a musician. Um, but I, so for an idea for FNK cars, uh, and Ian, if you wouldn't mind explaining it. Yeah. So FMK cars is a game that we play on the show. It's based off of fuck, Mary kill, except we play it with cars instead of people because we're nice. So the idea here is you get three cars and then you're going to assign fuck, Mary kill. Fuck means you're going to drive it for a day. You hit it and quit it. Uh, and then, you know, say what you're going to do with it for a day. Uh, Mary is, it's your new daily driver. Warts and all, it's it's mm-hmm. yours. And then kill is it goes to the crusher immediately. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you three cars here. Uh, and f- I decided to pull uh, some of the best cars from the birth years of these other Alex Davies. So oh, okay. So the snooker player, Alex Davies, was born in 1987. One of our favorite cars is a Mazda RX-7 Turbo, the second-generation Mazda RX-7. So you have one of those. Um, then uh, the Cricketeer, Alex Davies, was born in 1994. An amazing car from 1994 was the Acura Integra GSR. And then lastly, Alex Davies, there, he's a musician in a band called Elliott Minor. He was born in 86, and one of Ian and I's favorite cars from 1986 is a Saab 9000. So okay, yeah. So what do you think you would do, FMK? Um. All right. The Saab. The, so the Saab is really tempting. Okay. I feel like the Saab would just be a nightmare. Oh, definitely. So <laughs> Ian, Ian owns a newer Saab. I I had a 1997 Saab Turbo, and yes, no, you're right. Nightmare is a good word. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's fair. Uh huh. But oh. I feel like all right. So I've known Saab owners. Definitely like. I think if you're going to marry the Saab, you've really got to be ready to put in the work. You you are exactly right. <laughs> I thought I thought I'm sorry. I thought your I thought your your sentence of I've known Saab owners. I thought you were like yeah. I could hear your like uh, your diplomatic process firing up. <laughs> uh, but then with the Mazda Turbo, like that sounds really fun. But I don't know how fun that would be as a daily driver. Yeah, the the rotary and wrapping it up. Yeah. So I'm not that interested in the Acura. So okay. Yeah. Like I'm less interested. Like the Mazda and the Saab just strike me as more interesting cars. Okay. So you know I'm going to drive the Mazda really hard for a day. There we go. Fun. And then you know I'm going to marry the Saab. And I'm just going to like put all my chips in. Nice. Just, I like that. I like it. Know? We're starting it off with bad decisions. It's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Like I feel like. The people who drive those cars are like, yes, it was a terrible decision, but it was a great, terrible decision. <laughs> yes. So the, they're like into it. They're not just like trying to sell. Like these people never sell the SOPs, right? Right. So that's got to be an indicator of yeah. something worth marrying. 
And now that you've married it, I have a garage full of saw parts for you. <laughs> All right, great. Yeah. And you will need them. <laughs> so uh, Ian and I were, you know, we were reading up on you and we saw one of the key things from your bio that really stood out to us. You know, we're in Colorado, we're in Denver. Um, your trip in a Ford... Um, Escort. Escort, thank you. Over the Rocky Mountains in winter. Tell us everything. Don't worry about dragging on too long. We want to know everything. All right. So I, uh, okay. So my car in college was a 1998 Ford Escort Sport Edition um, that came with a cigarette hole already burned in the seat (laughs) and a spoiler on the back that my college roommate called a cruel joke. (laughs) Yes. And it was the car that my dad bought for my brother and me, where he bought it like when we were in high school, the idea being that he didn't want us to drive like his nice car. Um, I think he wasn't even driving anything that great. He was driving like an Xterra at the time, but he didn't want us driving like his car at all. Right. So he got us this car. And then, so I grew up in New York in the suburbs of New York City. And then I went to college at McAllister College in Minnesota. So at St. Paul, Minnesota. So senior year, I brought the car out because I felt like it would be a good time to have a car. And, the, you know, the car made it just fine. I discovered it had cruise control after arriving in Minnesota. <laughs> 20-hour drive. I didn't even didn't even see that feature. <laughs> um, but let me say, like, that car was a disaster in so many ways. Like, the alarm would go off when it was really cold outside or really humid. And, like, Minnesota... <laughs> Switch yeah. between being really cold and really humid. Yeah. Um, let's see. One of the keys, like the button didn't really work. Um, like that rubber lining along the door would open, would fall off at the time <laughs> when you open the doors. It was just like the cassette player was broken. Oh. Was just, everything was wrong with that car. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was like my car and I loved it and took it all sorts of places. We drove it to Georgia for spring break. Oh, wow. Minnesota to Georgia and back, no problems. And so then one winter, we're like, let's go. We wanted to go skiing. Um, Two buddies of mine and mine. And then the other person who had a car had a 94 Camry, I think. But much to my shame, I didn't learn how to drive a stick shift until after college. Oh, wow. Okay. So I couldn't drive his car. Um, and so he didn't have, like, we were leaving the next day. He didn't have time to teach me how to drive stick. So I, so we'll take my car. Um, so we left, um, even before we got to the Rockies, it was kind of a disaster. So our plan was like a 12 hour drive, right? St. Paul to Denver, roughly. Right. Okay. Uh, I've made that drive. Leave Minneapolis, St. Paul. We're like driving straight South direction of Des Moines. And the plan was. Oh, yeah. Leave at nine at night, drive through the night, arrive at nine in the morning, like get settled, rest up for a day, and then ski a couple of days. Okay. Um, so we're like driving south. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the wheel. We're driving south. Cruise control's um, engaged. 35. <laughs> and an hour in, uh, tire blows. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the middle of January, um, we didn't have AAA. So we're like pulled over on the side of the road, and we only had a donut. Yeah, like, I didn't have a full spare tire, so we're pulled over, you know, on the side of the highway. A cop happens by, and he comes mm-hmm. over, and this is like the worst advice I've ever gotten from a police officer. <laughs> it's like I haven't gotten that much advice from cops, but like, you know, we're trying to decide like what's the best move, and we ask him, we're like, officer, like, well, you know, well, wh- one more opinion. Would you throw on the donut? Would you turn around and go back? And he's like, if I were you, I'd put the donut on and just get driving. You probably hit like one of the Dakotas by the time it, that blows. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be tons of places to help you out there. Exactly. And then we'll, like right now we're like an hour from a major city. Oh my God. Home. And his advice is just like drive until it blows at like three in the morning in the middle of nowhere. So we found a middle ground between his terrible advice and like scrapping the trip, which was we threw on the donut and we drove an hour further south. So like the first town we hit. Okay. Um, just like the southern border of Minnesota. So we like pulled over there, stayed in a motel, and the next morning I put all new tires on at a Walmart. Okay. Like we were the first people at Walmart that morning. <laughs> um, 
So then like the next day we got on, we drove it, discovered that like Nebraska is the worst of the states, <laughs> like the most boring. Oh my God. I 80 is a nightmare. We just did that together, uh, this last October and it yeah. was wow. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. It's like, and at one point I was like, Oh, we're coming up on Lincoln soon. Like an actual city. And I was like, Nope, that, that building was Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, so it was great. Like ultimately we got into Colorado. It was good. But then like we hit the Rockies. Yeah. And like, that's when the car started like, that's when the car, we were going like 20 miles an hour uphill in the <sighs> snow and the car was at like 6,000 RPM. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can, I can see it now. Yeah. Because you had how many people in the car? Three people in the car. Yeah. Plus all your plus gear. Like skis, snowboards, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And that car is really fast at sea level. So that car can go 94 miles an hour at sea level. <laughs> <laughs> like, I discovered. Not nearly that fast. Um, like, no, that was, yeah, that Rocky strip was a little, I actually had a I actually had a girlfriend in high school who had one of the that generation escort. Hers was like lime green or like a like toothpaste green and it was a horrible box of rocks. That thing sucked. Yeah, it was not a good car. <laughs> oh, but you know, I just realized is I don't know if you have my Skype photo up. My Skype photo is us on that trip. It, oh, it is. Yeah, there's a, a tiny gas station in the background. Yeah, you can see that green <laughs> thing next to me is the Sinclair dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's where we stopped. Well, I guess none of us had seen that thing before. Okay. Yeah. So we stopped for a photo with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but but you survived and the, and the escort got you home? Yeah, and it got us home. Like coming home was like just fine once it was like you know, we didn't hit any like major snow, fortunately. Like Minnesota, you know, even in Minnesota, it drove just fine. It never died. Like it got me home to New York. Yeah. And then I moved abroad for a year. And my little brother, who then inherited the car and hated it, lost the only pair of keys in a snowstorm. Oh, no. <laughs> and then, like, you know, it was like, it was my parents still at the time who were like, they're like, look, We've decided the next time we have to put more than gas money into this car, we're throwing like it's done. Yeah, and I was like, that's fine. Like I'm moving out of the country. Like I don't need it. So my little brother loses the keys. I'm convinced he threw them in a sewer. <laughs> and then after that, they're like, okay, well, you know, we're not gonna hundred bucks for new keys. Nope. So now <laughs> it's like a tiny. It's like smashed into those one of those like shoebox size cubes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, my little brother got to drive my, uh, my dad's Audi after that. So it worked out really well for him. So yeah, your brother definitely lost those keys on purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause I never complained about the car. Like I loved it, but he complained nonstop. So he's the smart brother is what you're saying. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't know that era Audi. I, yeah, he might've had some headaches, but still. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it though. There's there's a lot to be said for like that I don't know, that that road trip in a in in an inappropriate car in an yeah. inappropriate place, but everything working except for your blown tire and yeah. and coming out the other side like all the better for it. Yeah. Yeah. I had so much fun. Like I love a good I drove across the country in September. Oh for wow. The first time. I was like this I had a blast. Okay. What did you do it in? So we did it in a Ford Transit Connect. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Great. And I didn't realize this, but people love that car. Like yeah. people in like random parking lots across the country approach me and they're like, I love that wagon. It's yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Like, cool. It was great. You know, it did. I drove, there were three of us. I drove every single minute of it because turns out that no one else could drive. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like subpar. It was at one point it was four of us. One didn't have a license. The other refused to drive because she's such a terrible driver and then told us stories of how bad she was a driver. And then the fourth person had let his license expire. Okay. Um, and so couldn't drive. <laughs> and all of these people for some reason signed up for a cross country road trip. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And then I feel, feel like everyone like downplayed how much driving I would be doing <laughs> we were in the car and like, oh, and also 
Uh, you have to drive. <laughs> oh my god! All seventy-two. I think we're the car's computer told us at the end of seven days we had spent seventy-two hours in the car. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. And are you all still friends right now? We are still friends. Okay. Yeah. I like it all that. Worked out. That's nice. a, that's impressive. That, nice. I feel like that uh, that uh, speaks volumes about your patience because I feel like there would have been a light stabbing at least. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have done less driving, but I also like, I enjoy it once I'm in a like go in mode and that kind of driving is fine. Like we never hit traffic, right. never hit bad weather. So it's just like pleasant, mostly straight driving. Right. You're just in a groove, right? Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Huh? So, so, Let's- Let's. I want to. I do want to talk about uh, an article that you wrote recently for yeah. Wired um, about um, basically talking about Congress basically has the power in their hands to make or break uh, self-driving cars in the near future, uh, and this is something that we've talked about on our show a lot before. You know, we've joked about you know needing to drive to New Hampshire, so you got to go by the dealer and get a firmware upgrade before you can. Right before you can take your car across the border. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to talk a little bit, you know, just before we get into the kind of the substance of that article, just the approach of talking about politics to kind of car people. And I know you're, you know, the Wired's audience is a little bit different, but in a lot of other automotive press, it's kind of a fraught thing to bring up politics at all when you're talking uh, about, about automotive or, or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely like, I feel like the problem with writing about this stuff isn't just that like, it's not like about like real car power or tech. It's that it's like, it can become boring so easily. Right. Yeah. You're like, okay, well there's this law and they would have to do this and it would have to like pass through these three levels and the DOT would have to do like rulemaking. Like that's not like, it's hard to make that interesting like even to me they they don't do top gear episodes about legislation (laughs) no (laughs) they do not like uh so it's i feel like the approach there is always like okay well you have to explain like why this is important like if it can't be like riveting the entire way through it's got to be like this is what's going to get you right this car like the one time i did a deep dive into cafe regulations mm-hmm. was when Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler, uh, like when they were like spinning off Ferrari, like we're going to sell off Ferrari. Right. Um, and so I was like, this is a good time to look at cafe because you get to write the headline An independent Ferrari might have to make way more fuel efficient cars. Exactly. Because yeah. once they're not part of a big conglomerate anymore, then like the rules change for them. And depending on how many cars they make, like they have to meet those cafe regulations. So I'm always like looking for that in that reason to like get you into it. Yeah, um, I like and that. So, you know, and the headline does a lot of that work. The headline on this one was Congress could make self-driving cars happen or ruin everything. Exactly. Yes. No, that, um, <laughs> that's exactly the kind of title you need. Right. Um, and then hope that people just uh, kind of stick around for, for the And you hope to like write it interestingly enough and just like get to it efficiently enough that you're not wasting their time yeah no we 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 stuck around and this is something that we're really compelled to think about and it i think it it does an an excellent job of illustrating the human factors in all of these technology issues so ian and i use a term that you've probably heard called a layer eight problem where um you know you have the seven layers of the networking model and then all that's fine and good, but sometimes problems come up at that human layer, right? right? Layer A, and with a lot of this, uh, with with a lot of autonomous cars and the infrastructure and politics behind it, technology can't solve all of these things. And and I want to get to uh, the article that you wrote about Nissan after this, but um, but so so kind of walk us through um, how Congress is can make or break that layer eight problem around this. Sure. Uh, so basically, like to run through kind of what the current situation is for how autonomous cars are regulated is succinctly put, like it's a shit show. Yeah. There's no, yeah. There are no real rules because no one ever thought to write rules for cars that couldn't drive themselves. 
And so right now, you know, the feds, like through NHTSA and the DOT, they're the guys who say, this is how a car is made. You need seatbelts. You need this kind of airbag. You need this size side view mirror for this size car. Right. And it's always been the states or cities or municipalities who say, this is how you drive. Yes, you can turn right on red. No, you can't blow through the speed limit, blah, blah, blah. Autonomous cars make that distinction moot, essentially, because how you build the car defines how it drives. Right. It's not just human adapting to rules. And what every automaker in this space, like every company really working on this stuff, fears is what they call the patchwork, where you have every state has a different kind of self-driving law. Right. Where it's like in Michigan, they can go this fast, but in Florida, they can only do this. And, you know, these companies, like, they're already trying to build one car that they can sell anywhere in the world. Like, think about a car that you have to reprogram. Mm -hmm. Like, as it crosses state borders, like, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, what they're hoping to do Mm -hmm. is have the feds write national regulations, or at least have Congress write national regulations. So, this is really where Congress comes in, is they could come in and say, okay, we're going to write a law that applies to this technology, and it's going to apply in all 50 states, and we're going to make the industry happy with this, and we're going to make all of this technology, like the deployment of that technology becomes much more efficient once you only have one law. Right. problem is that like Congress doesn't particularly know anything about self-driving cars. <laughs> no, no you're, you're exactly right, yeah. Um, and we've seen this, like I have, you know, colleagues who report on security stuff a lot. And like, I mean, that's a real problem is that Congress is like, we're going to do this new computer privacy law. And they have no idea what they're talking about. Right, right. So, which is like a real risk here is everyone I talked to was like, well, like, you know, we like the idea of like national regulation, but also like, please don't screw this up. Like, don't write anything too restrictive or, you know anything that's really going to mess with the way we actually want this to work. And you can easily see something a little reactionary or be like, well, like the car can drive itself, but you have to have a human in there right. to do this, but you have to have this takeover mechanism. And you mess with all of these different companies placing big bets on what the technology can do for them. Right. And yeah, you don't want, you don't want to like basically have half the industry developing like there's a time component because you don't want half the industry just to, to be developing Betamax and half the industry to developing VHS and then exactly and then you you're you're basically destroying half the car industry, right, right. And they're all you know they're all trying to figure this out in different ways and so and it doesn't even, like what's encouraging from the DOT is under Anthony Fox who is the Obama's Secretary of Transportation in the second term. The DOT put out self-driving car guidelines. Yeah, okay. And the core of those guidelines was this 15-point safety checklist. And they said, here are the 15 things your car needs to be able to do. It needs to have an answer to that ethics problem, right? The trolley problem. To if you have to choose between killing one person and you know one pedestrian and the person in the car, who do you choose? You have to like, how do you make sure your detection works? And it was all these complicated questions, but what the guidelines said was not and you have to pass this test, the guidelines said, and you have to convince us that you have an answer to everyone. Okay. Whatever your answer is, however you want to prove it, we're open to that. Wow, okay, yeah. Being that, like, these are the things we want you to be able to do, show us you can do them one way or another. So it's a much more relaxed way to regulating than the way cars are currently regulated. For example, the VIN on a car has to be written in sans-serif font. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That is in the rules. Wow. The okay. Which like <laughs> right. And well, and the nice thing about those regulations too is it kind of hedges the idea that like industry could come up with something that Congress hasn't thought of yet, which is really not that far fetched an idea. But normally, <laughs> right? Normally, we exactly. they don't they don't build those sorts of things in. Yeah. Yeah, but that fifteen yeah. point thing sounds like it's it's mainly the start of a dialogue. <clears throat> Right? Yeah. Right. I think. And again, these are guidelines. They don't have the power to enforce them. They're like, this is what we want you. This is what we would like states to adopt. This is what we want the industry to kind of work with it. Right. So I, I think, I think, you know, I, I actually feel like the, the tech, the, the core technology piece, I feel like there is 
kind of movement in the right direction on that piece. But I think what kind of gets lost in this that we've talked about before is that like the ancillary and like uh, support pieces. It's like it's going to be harder, I think, you know, because the technology piece, the core technology piece is brand new. It's maybe a little easier for Congress to get involved nationally because states won't necessarily feel like they're being stepped on. But when it comes to like infrastructure changes and legacy um, yeah. legacy mm-hmm. changes that need to happen, you know, just like simple shit like road sign standardization or, um, you know, how you store the data that you collect from these cars as they're traveling down the road or, you know, things that are going to really affect st- where states have already and municipalities have already staked out their sort of territory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, has there been a lot of talk about about that sort of stuff? I mean, you know, standardizing surface streets markings and, and all that sort of thing. So the, the real problem there is like, in terms of a federal conversation, basically no. Like the feds for years have been talking about car to car, you know, V to V communication, that they mm-hmm. like this idea. And it's kind of like, it's on a, it parallels in a sense with um, autonomous cars. Like they're not necessary to one another, but it makes sense that, once cars drive themselves, you're also going to have them talk to each other. Right. Like that stuff that they've focused on and that they're talking about requiring in new cars after a certain point. But in terms of the infrastructure changes, no. And part of the problem is that like we don't have enough money right now to like fix highways. Yeah. To like even right. keep the highways intact, let alone layer them with the sensors that that you might want or need. Where I think this could work is on a smaller scale within cities. And so when you talk about self-driving cars, I think when you talk about the fully autonomous car, right, that Google pod thing that doesn't have a steering wheel or pedals, that car is probably, at least not in its early stages, going to be a car that you or I can buy and just have it take us wherever. It's going to work like an Uber. Right. You know, it'll stay within a distinct area where Google or whoever's running it has super good maps. They know, like, they're too tapped into, like, when construction is happening, so maybe they can avoid it. And it's a shared car experience. And so you can imagine cities trying to get ahead and being like, hey, like, bring that technology here. We love it. We love the idea of cutting down on traffic accidents and moving people more efficiently. And even saving space on parking, and then we can make that into real estate. Yeah. And to make that happen, we'll put the money into embedding more sensors in our roads. Yeah, we've right. we've talked about before. Like, you know, I have a <clears throat> I have a friend who used to be a, a, a an urban planner, and uh, uh, for like mid sized Midwestern city, and I'm fascinated by city planning stuff. And I feel like that's going to be the next big race between the cities is to try mm-hmm. to get certified or whatever that's going to look like to be level five autonomous friendly. Or, you know, you can turn on, there'd probably be like geotagging, right? And say, if you're within the city limits of these cities, you can turn on all your fully autonomous features. Whereas you're right. right? That's probably where it's, where we're going. Yeah, and I think you are going to see this competition between cities and states to a lesser extent kind of pushing ahead, being like, yes, we want to be the place where you do this. Like Pittsburgh really staked that out. Pittsburgh had the advantage of being home to Carnegie Mellon, which is where Uber stole all of its researchers from (laughs) and then set up shop in Pittsburgh. Um, So they had that advantage, but Columbus, Ohio, which won this big DOT smart city competition, they're pushing ahead with that stuff. I think it's going to be individual places more even than states or let alone a national decision. Yeah. Interesting. So also I think, um, for, so given that, that, that operates in city centers, right. Then like, how do you see that kind of playing out eventually with like rural outreach, you know, that, you know, the, the, the large highways between cities, I-70, I-80, like that kind of stuff. Not that great. <laughs> I think, right. so I think no. the advan- like what you'll get with, you know, in the next 5, 10, 15 years are a lot more consumer, regular cars where the car can drive itself on the highway. Right. So like Audi's A8, the 2018 A8 will be the first car with what's called level three capability where – you pass control over to the car, and unlike what Tesla Autopilot is, 
there will suppo- it'll supposedly be more robust to the point where you can stop paying attention altogether. Right. You'll need to be like conscious and in the driver's seat in case something goes wrong and you need to take over. But the idea will be that you're not monitoring the system. You're there as a backup. So a lot of, I think, that technology will become more common or maybe more stuff like Tesla's autopilot, a little less capable. So the ideally, that'll benefit suburban, rural people who do longer highway drives and that there's less time driving for you. It's safer. You can – Delphi, the supplier, told me maybe a year ago, they think that if every car – drove the way Tesla's autopilot does. Did that driving, you could cut out 80% of driving fatalities in the U.S. Wow. Because highway crashes are such a big part of that. Whereas yep. the safety benefit from like Google's thing driving around a city isn't that huge because the you know even when those cars crash, it's not nearly as deadly as highway crashes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this might be a good time to also talk about um, – since you mentioned when things go wrong, there's that human element there. Uh, talk about that article that you wrote about how Nissan is solving that problem. I was crazy fascinated with that. Sure. So Nissan, I sat down with uh, with a guy who's running uh, Nissan self-driving car program, a guy named Martin Searhouse. You know, they brought me down. I'm based in San Francisco. I went to their Silicon Valley Research Center, and he starts talking to me about construction zones. Right, right. Says, exactly. I've got to show you this photo. This is what I saw on my way to work today. And it was just a construction zone where, you know, the car had to like move into the left lane to get around and understand the construction worker signaling. And so he's a human. He had no problem. Right. And he looks at me and he says, for me, no problem. For a self-driving car, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he said, he said, this is so complicated, that level of cognition of understanding when it's okay to cross over the double yellow line. Right. When you can, when you're paying attention to the human over the traffic light, all of these little things, he said, we can't do it. Right. And it's the first time anybody has said that to me. It's always just, well, it's a matter of time, you know. Right. You know, we got to right. keep honing the AI, all this stuff. He said, no, we can't do it. Yeah. At least not in the near future. And we don't want to sit around 15 years and not deploying this technology. So what Nissan is going to do or this is their plan at least, is when they're finally ready to release a fleet of self-driving cars in whatever city or place they pick, they're going to have a human-operated call center somewhere. So car is driving along, car comes into construction, car safely comes to a stop on its own, but it doesn't know what to do, so it pings a little help signal. Yep. And it says, help, I'm stuck. Like, I've fallen and I can't get up is basically what this is. And then one of the humans in the call center plugs into that car, and they can, from their desktop computer, wherever they are, they can see everything the car sees. So they're looking at the car's primarily camera sensors, because, you know, humans see, but also LIDAR, radar. They're getting a sense of what's around, and then they say, oh, okay, well, in this situation, you just you need to, like, drive over the double yellow and do this, and they issue new commands to the car. Interesting. And then they look. Right? And then, and then the car does that. And then the advantage you hope to build in is once you've got that tricky spot, every other car that reaches that point and says, I've fallen and I can't get up, they automatically get the answer the previous car got as long as it's still applicable. Right, right. So on the one hand, you're like, that is fucking insane. Like, yeah. Like why – like how many times have I tried calling like my cable company <laughs> – and like they can't get there, and like you're gonna trust it with cars. Well, and my my first thought is just a liability concern. Like mm-hmm. if if you're if that happens to you and you're in the car, and then the call center drone pilot runs over a construction <laughs> worker, who is at fault there? Right, because you don't have a break. Like you don't have anything. You're just you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just in the car. And- <laughs> So, I mean, it brings up like a whole set of new questions, but it's what I thought was so interesting about it was Nissan openly saying like, look, this is much harder than people have been. So I feel like 2016 was the year that people really started believing self-driving cars can happen. That's the year Ford said five years and we'll do it. That's the year GM really got fully into it. 
But now I feel like it's already starting to tilt to a little bit the other way, being like, all right, well, let's just slow down, being like realizing how hard this is. Yeah. And so this is called teleoperations. Yep. What's interesting is Nissan was the first company I'd heard about openly talking about it. But when I started talking to people in the industry, basically I found out that like Nissan's the only one talking about it, but a lot of people are looking at it. Yep. There's a few patents out there. Yeah. Exactly. There are a lot of places have patents on it. Like it's pretty clear that other people are interested in that, at least as some kind of backup mechanism. Because and so I I brought this up in an edit meeting. You know, a wired edit meeting. I said, Oh, I've got this story on Nissan. So obviously everyone made the jokes about the call center. Sure. But then one of my editors says, like, well, what's the point? Why not just have the human inside take over in that point? And the problem with that is that then you lose the ability to drive people around who can't drive. You lose, you know, the ability to like shuttle around kids or whatever, or senior citizens who can't drive anymore. Drunk or drivers. Package deliveries. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so this is kind of basically it's a shortcut. Yeah. You know, it's taping over the gap that they can't clear yet. Right. Yeah. It, but that, still that, getting all of the benefits. That that's fascinating. I absolutely love that article. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, all of the benefits, but also creating a whole host yeah. of other problems. Right. right. Yeah, a whole set of, like, how do you train these people? Where do they sit? How do you scale up or scale yeah. down? And it's just like... Well, and, and, and then... What do you do in a rural area where there's no cellular Well, coverage? I was going to say, I was just going to go yeah. there, like, with driving, uh-huh. uh, you know, the proliferation of, of better cellular coverage. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Right. Or even like if there's good cell coverage, but something else breaks down and the car is just sitting there. Right. The person's like, I can't plug in. Right. Um, and I asked them about latency concerns. So it's not right. so much like basically how long can you, the car, the idea is that like the person isn't taking over while the car is driving, the car stops somewhere, but presumably you're going to be blocking traffic. And I said, well, how exactly. long, how quickly do you have to respond for that to be workable? And they said, you know, for the person in the car, inside our car, probably doesn't matter that much because, you know, they're not driving anyway. They're just looking at their phone. We're more worried about other drivers. Yep. Yep. Like going ballistic over our cars, blocking the road. <laughs> yes. So they said yes. 30 seconds. But even that, I feel like you'd start to get pissed off. Oh, you're yeah. Sitting behind someone unmoving for 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. No, there, there's a horn honk coming in at a hot five yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a construction worker who's like standing there, like waving people because the other yeah. lane is blocked. Right. Right. It's like, move. Like, let's go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, that's another, another situation is like, uh, you know, we're in Denver by Red Rocks, you know, when yep. Red Rocks lets out. Uh huh. Exactly. They start blocking traffic. A police officer is just standing in the road. Yep. Blocking yep. traffic to let everyone out. Yeah. That's a hilarious, that's a horrendously complicated it situation. Is. It, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, lo- I love that article. That was, that was fantastic. Hey, but, it, but it is such a, a big step for Nissan to come out and say that because that's such a massive step towards equalization in pinning all of our hopes and dreams on technology. Mm-hmm. You right, know? Exactly. It's like, it's like getting the human out of this question is going to be much harder yep. than everyone here likes to think. So and I asked them because everyone else I talked to is so gung-ho and I tried to get nissan's guy to explain that gap i was like what is it that makes you guys you know you're very smart everyone else in this field is very smart what makes you say you can't do it and them say they can and he kind of shrugged he's like he's like i don't know i think we're just kind of ready to you know be a little more open about what the realistic future is yeah 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 that's interesting well it could just be uh, uh, you know an audience question as well because because people, you know, people in government and people in kind of like, you know, society at large probably are not asking the right question, you know, because they're, they're asking, can I take my hands off the wheel and read my book on the highway? And the answer to that is yes, because that's low-hanging fruit. But right. am I going to go door-to-door in five years? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Not at all. Like, fully, like that full autonomy is so hard because the, the world is so weird you know and the way we drive is so like it's really hard to imitate and to teach a car to deal with 
everything because you really have to teach it to deal with virtually everything that can possibly happen. Yeah, right? and anything can happen on the road. Yeah, yeah. One time, one I I did this like two years ago. I spent a day pulling together like the craziest dash cam videos I could find. Yes. I sending those videos to self-driving car people. I was like, what are you doing in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when a plane crashes into the road? Like, yeah. We don't know. Or, like, or a tank comes storming down the road. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and like, you know, there's so many of those videos and it was also just a fun excuse to publish a bunch of right. Russian dash cam videos. <laughs> the best. We normally, like, we don't usually do that thing where it's just like crazy video. Right. And it's not really like our, you know, it's not our style. Yeah. But it was a good excuse to post a bunch of those. Why are Alex's uh, uh, articles getting so many hits? Like, <laughs> so much more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just all Russian dash cam video. <laughs> I love it. I love it. At your annual performance review, you just like put down the metrics. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> People love planes crashing into highways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking about uh, to us about all that because I, 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 for one, it's a little bit of validation that we are on the right track of how we're thinking about this because it, it does seem like uh, you know, sometimes there's all these like glowing articles about like, oh, we're going to have no fatalities on the road because of right. self-driving cars and right. all the benefits. And it's uh, a little bit like the underwear gnomes uh, <laughs> business model to me where it's like steal right. underpants. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then profit. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, a, it's like do the easiest work, somehow do all the way harder. <laughs> right. Finish. Like, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, unfurl the mission accomplished banner. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Although it seems, I don't know if you guys caught this uh, w- uh, lawsuit between Google, or I'll say Waymo, Google's yeah. self-driving car company, and Uber. Yeah. Basically, Google's coming out and says, well, like, Uber's doing well, and it's because they stole all of our technology. Like, that is Google's legal accusation. They just filed a lawsuit. They're like, "Where you just stole our files. Yeah, I saw that. The the question I have about that as an IT guy was the the exact scenario and like level of detail of like he had the his external hard drive plugged in for 8 hours exact like yeah. seemed suspiciously specific. Okay. Especially for something that happened like 18 months ago or whatever it was, right? Yeah, what what throws me is so Google comes out or Waymo comes out and says, oh, and we figured this out because someone accidentally, one of our LiDAR suppliers accidentally sent us an attachment detailing Google's LiDAR, Uber's LiDAR system, and it looks just like ours. And that's how we figured it out. But then like, then you just go back and you figure out what he was doing on your computer. Like, So the guy, Anthony Lewandowski, was a Google employee for a long time. Then he left to start Auto, the self-driving truck company which then got acquired by Uber. So Uber made him the head man in charge of self-driving. And they say that like a month before he left Google, he downloaded 14,000 files, wiped his laptop, and walked off with them. But the stuff that I'm interested to see kind of be revealed as the case moves along is like how Google knew that after the coincidence came up, why they didn't check it before, how someone like Google lets anything like that happen at all. Right. Like The first lawyer I spoke to is like, how on earth could Google, of all people, of all companies, let that happen? Let someone download 14,000 technical files onto an external hard drive? Like, that raises its own question marks. Yeah, yeah there's, it, it, does, it does seem like the more that comes out about it, the more questions there are. <laughs> it's yes. really strange. And I will admit to celebrating when this lawsuit hit a couple of days ago. Okay. This is a fantastic story. (laughs) These are the companies I cover. This is the stuff I focus on, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) The two biggest companies in this space just going to war. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Just got a pot of coffee on. (laughs) Got the laptop fully charged up. I had the tiger just started playing in the background out of nowhere. Yeah, like I don't do a lot of breaking news stuff. You know, Wired, our approach is much more what we call day two stories. Right. Ask the smartest question first, but sometimes breaking news hits and you get, I I get like an adrenaline rush. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Like, just start writing. And it's like, 
so these are the st- I think the story is going to be really interesting to watch going forward. I'm excited to see it unfold. Yeah. So, so obviously you you are compelled to write about something like that because this is this is stuff that you cover. You you're you're very passionate about it as are we, and and we love that. With with this type of of subject, when you were talking about. Uh, framing articles so that the larger audience cares about them or pays attention to them. What what kind of um, what kind of things have you had to kind of get over for for writing articles yourself, or or are you just are you just into this? Is this your bread and butter? Um, so the autonomous vehicle stuff I really like because I've been covering as a reporter transportation for just about five years now, like four and a half five years. So I've been covering autonomous vehicles, obviously not since people first started working on them, but I've been able to track the entire surge into the public view of this technology over the last three, four years. Yeah. So I really like it because I under like I know the field really well, and I feel like I don't have to just chase the news, that I can find stories that other people aren't telling and tell them in interesting ways. And you you certainly also, are. I just don't sometimes if I write a story or one of someone who writes for me writes a really smart story about self-driving cars and like nobody reads it, I'm like, I don't care. That was a smart story. It was worth writing. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Produce the still write up the new Pagani Waira. Sure. Because, you know, it takes 15 minutes to write like five Pagani jokes, <laughs> write down the specs for the new car. And then, you know, people love that too. So right. Right. To balance right. It out. No, I, I, I like that. I, yeah. No, you're writing's fantastic. We, no, we're, we're Thank huge you. fans. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We, what do you say? We, we kick off some more FMK cars, Ian. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. So I, this one, so, Occasionally, uh, and by occasionally I mean uh, every time we <laughs> we add catches to our to our FMK car. So the the car comes with some baggage uh, of some sort, uh, and this one is kind of themed after your uh, your your writing about uh, Congress uh, legislation know, being on the verge of fucking up uh, self driving cars. Yep. Um, so this one is called. Let's schoolhouse rock this motherfucker and make a bill of law already. <laughs> Self-driving cars that don't match the regulations. So uh, assume all of these cars have been retrofitted to operate autonomously. All right? And you'll, you'll catch on to what the, 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 the catch is pretty soon here. So 2017, and also these are uh, uh, cars that you've written about recently. Okay, great. 2017 Audi R8 V10 Spider. So you may only drive this car in California, which has for some reason decided that top-down driving makes detection by other cars impossible. So they've made it illegal to operate a car in automated or manual mode with the top-down. So you have to, it's you you have the spider, but you're you're driving with the top up only. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. So the next one, 2018 Ford Mustang V8 with the manual. 95% of this car's life must be spent driving in Manhattan, which has banned non-autonomous cars. So basically, you are not allowed to drive it in manual mode 95% of the time. And then I'll let okay. you I'll let you figure and out how it has to be in Manhattan. Yes. It's the worst place in the world to Yes. <laughs> 95%. So if you get 5%, you can go for a blast up state or whatever. You just got to get that back right. to make sure you you stay under 95%. All right, the last one. This one gets a little complicated. And I'm going to apologize in advance. 2017 Porsche Turbo S. You may drive this car where you please, in autonomous mode or manually. However, federal law mandates a car-to-car communication standard this car does not support. But good news, there's an alternative available to you. Car-to-car communications can be done manually by a crew of three people riding in the car with you and some extra equipment. In this case, it will be Sean Connery and two other members of the Red October's crew, and they will recreate the just one ping scene every time you see another car. So, you know, in, oh Hunt, in Hunt for Red October, they do the one ping only. Right. Yeah. So that's, oh that's, <laughs> you're going to drive around with that happening. 
These are complicated. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you get the 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 V10, the 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 R8 that you can only drive with the top up, the Mustang yeah. that you 95% of it's in Manhattan in automatic automatic mode, and then the Turbo S with the ridiculous Hunt for Red October twist. And and I have an amused bouche for you after this one. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, hmm. All right. I'm gonna marry the R8. Okay. You know, I live in California. Mm-hmm. Like, I like driving. There are plenty, you know, you'd look stupid with the top up right. all the time. And it would be like a hard thing to explain to every person who asks <laughs> why you've got the top up on a sunny day. But I feel like those are pretty good conditions. Yeah. Can I open, can I open that? Does the R8 have that little rear window you can open? So when you have the top up, you still hear the engine. That's cheating. No. (laughs) All right. Can I open the windows? Uh, You can open the windows. We'll allow it. We'll We'll allow it. it. Okay. All right. With the windows open, then I feel like that's all right. Yeah. Um, Mustang in Manhattan. uh, No, I can't. Five percent of the time is not is not worth it. Yeah. Although, like, and also, especially since like I lived in New York. Uh, for you know, I lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years. While I was there, I was also writing about cars, so I got to test drive fun cars once in a while. And you kind of have to like, you got to go a little bit far to right. get somewhere really fun to drive. Yeah. So I'm gonna act. I'm just gonna kill that one. And then the Porsche Turbo, like, I feel like I'd go nuts if that was my regular life. <laughs> yeah. but, like. For one day, like that would be a good story. Be like, oh, there's the time I drove around with Sean Connery, <laughs> and he like, you know, pretended to be a submarine captain, <laughs> talking to other cars. Like, right. Yeah. That would be. I feel like that would get old too fast. Yeah. What yeah. What would you do, Ian? I think I would do the exact same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I think he's chosen well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I do love Hunt for Red October, and I make references <laughs> to it a little too often on our show. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we know you have to wrap up soon, but we'll just, uh, we'll hit you with one more. Um, yeah. so in this one, this one's a little bit weird, but this is something that we played on the show before. It's still FMK. I want you to give me any car, any car. Doesn't matter. Whatever. So any car. Okay. Uh, 1955 Citroen DS. Yes. This is, that is, this the is going to be perfect car. Yeah, Ian, would you mind running him through it? I'm going to show Twitch the picture of a DS. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So basically, th- in this in this uh, version, the car is the same, but your car culture is different. So, and you're going to have to modify your car accordingly. So the okay. first option is Hella Flush Stance Bro. So you're going to Hella Flush Stance Bro a a Citroen DS. Yes. Which it's kind of you already have an advantage because you got hydraulic suspension. You can just slam it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but then you're you're in the car culture of that of that group. All your hats now have flat brims. Yes. Okay. And you so many <laughs> vape pens. All my berets, you mean? <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. A beret with a flat brim. Well, yeah, and then it's a French. You'd be a French stance bro. So I guess you'd have a vape pen with a cigarette <laughs> holder. Right. <laughs> God damn it! Can Alex be on the show every time? <laughs> yeah. All right. So the second one, donk. You are going to donk your your Citroen DS, which now I need to see. Yeah, I I, okay. I I don't know where you stand on donks, but we we say we're a donk friendly podcast. Yeah, we okay. we are in favor. Um, and then the third option is you're gonna rip out that hunk of junk six cylinder, and you're gonna put in a. A uh, like Duramax diesel, and you are going to roll coal yes. with your Citroen DS. <laughs> it will be a bro truck DS, yes. truck nuts, the whole thing. Oh, okay. So roll coal, donk car, or hella flush. Yep. Yes, all on your precious. All Citroen. on your Citroen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I feel like hella flush is like the most appropriate. Yeah. To the Citroen. Yeah, and it's also like I just. Like, I really love that car, and I've been thinking about it because the Mullen Automotive Museum in L.A. is doing a whole exhibit of Citroëns, and I have a guy who writes for me, Jack Stewart, who's based in L.A., 
and he got to go and just drive a bunch of vintage Citroëns. Oh, wow. And I thought about just being like buying my own ticket to LA and being like, you're staying home <laughs> and I'm going to drive all of these cars. <laughs> that car is so weird. Yes. Um, and fun and st- like futuristic, but in a stupid way and like a lot of stupid, like, but I feel like Hella Flush does the least to destroy that. Yes. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got it. Like, the dunk car, I think, is worth trying. So I'm going to fuck that one. Okay. Yeah. Like, that would be, you know, the Citroen's got a good suspension. It's got that weird hydraulic suspension. So I bet even donked it would be like a nice, gentle ride. Yeah. And like, you'd certainly be, I can't imagine anyone else has ever done that. No. No. No, you would no. be the first donked Citroen. Yeah. The, the question then is, then becomes, what's your your theme going to be? Because, you know, a lot of the donks have like oh, yeah. a candy or like a cereal theme. Would you just like go like baguette theme? Or like, <laughs> what would you? It's got to be something French, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, like Galois cigarette. <laughs> yes. Yes. Was, I mean, that would go more with like the rolling, like if I did a roll. Oh, yeah, that's car. true. Yeah. Then yeah. you're just like, paint a cigarette um, right you'd have like an amelie donk yeah <laughs> <laughs> just audrey tattoo the worst <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but yeah i guess something like annoyingly french but yeah i guess like painted covered in baguettes yeah and then you've got to always be smoking a cigarette and oh. wearing like a beret yeah yeah. Times. yeah yeah absolutely yeah i feel like that, you know i feel like that's a look that I could pull off. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a try. That's for sure. Yeah. God damn it. Those things are so pretty too. Yeah. Oh, now I just need someone to like my only, so people ask me this question a lot. Like what would your dream car be? Like if you could have any car. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I'd want a 1955 Citroen DS with a live in mechanic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we don't, we joke about having a guy named Giuseppe on the podcast like that is just in the back of our cars yeah yeah uh-huh. should we ever be able to buy a vintage ferrari we just want giuseppe in the trunk yeah right. exactly yeah. Come in there at all times ready to deal with it and i was spoken to i met a guy in upstate new york a couple of years ago and he's a citroen mechanic and he's basically like the only one yeah within hundreds of miles because there's so few people who understand the bizarreness that is those cars and he had an interesting – he started doing that in the 70s, just kind of worked for the local Citroen dealership, worked on those cars. And then after Citroen left the U.S. in the mid-70s, if I recall correctly, then he just became like the daily repair guy for everybody who lived in this area. And now it's progressed. No one uses them as daily drivers anymore. But people now bring him like shells of Citroens. Oh, yeah. He fixes them for like $100,000. Right, right. Wow. He's the guy who can do it. It's like, I really, really dig that. It's like a very particular kind of car. Right. Yeah. 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 That is fantastic. Yeah. Those like little niche, um, like those little niche communities of like, we're going to keep these cars going that nobody ever thought that we were going to, you know, like in 30 years, we're going to be talking about, there's a Ford Escort specialist. <laughs> right, Ford Escort club. <laughs> right. Everyone, yeah. everyone crushed all their Escorts because yeah. they lost the keys. And yeah. the people keeping duct tape in business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's this guy named Dave with a garage full of sod parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, uh, it, this was fantastic, Alex. Is it, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to discuss or, or would you like to, no, to plug any know, venues where people can consume you? Yeah, um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm a davies forty seven. That's Davies D A V S and Victor I E S four seven. And please, you know, read Wired.com slash transportation and Wired.com in general. You know, yeah. You should also follow Wired on Instagram and Snapchat. And you know, we're doing a lot of fun stuff there. And oftentimes, when we're at car events and we don't even want to like write a whole story about something small we see, we'll put it on Instagram or on Snapchat or on Twitter. And so you should follow us everywhere possible is really my, my sales pitch here. That's fantastic. That's, that's good advice. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, this, this was great. Uh, feel free to come back anytime. Again, we're both, uh, it idiots. So, uh, 
<laughs> you know, anytime you want to do a, a, a deep dive on uh, on one of these issues, uh, feel free to hit us up. We'll do. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All yeah. right. Thank you. 